1: Sitting in a diner or out in the street Catch up with the news, get your point of view I want to hear what unravels, I'll see you in my travels
2: Welcome uh, to Travels with Charlie and uh, thanks to to Billy Bratcher the uh, the great Billy Bratcher Starline Rhythm Boys doing the theme song for the Travels with Charlie series the video series as well as the radio series thanks for joining me today hey we got a great you know I say this every every week you know my my executive producer Brad Ferlin in studio with me uh, this today as well another great show Brad
1: You bet, Charlie. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. Uh, Coming up on the show, the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. We're going to be talking with Whitney Castle from the Champlain Valley Office of Economic Opportunity, also called (laughs) CVOEO. And Michael Casella is going to be joining us this weekend's 16th annual Wheels for Warmth program. It's going to be happening at Dubois Construction. We'll be talking with them about that. And get ready because this is going to be our first open phone line segment we haven't done that you know one of the things I always enjoyed about doing a radio program was just conversing and talking with our with our audience our listeners and we'll have an opportunity to do that towards the end of the program uh, but first my first guest today just retired from his job as an airline pilot a uh, great friend of of the show as well as uh, a friend of mine uh, one of my one of my first regular guests when I was doing the Charlie and Ernie show, the first Thursday of every month, Lieutenant Governor Brian Duby would join us in studio, and he joins me on the phone line today. Brian, it's so great to talk with you again. How you doing?
0: Hey, I'm doing great, Charlie. Uh, great, to say hello to Brad for me, also.
2: He's right hey, here. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey, nice to hear your voice, Brian.
0: And Charlie, thanks for the uh, opportunity.
2: Well, it, it's 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 so fun, you know. As, as I recall, when we used to do that first Thursday, and, and you were really, in, in when you consider it, I mean, it, it's a, uh, it's it's continued on with uh, the new program that's there. They still do the first Thursday of each month. They have the Lieutenant Governor on. Uh, that was a great thing that you started, and and. Uh, uh you know, just connecting with the uh, with the people of Vermont. It gave you a great opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah, I'm smiling because uh, you know, we had calls from the from the Capitol when I was Lieutenant Governor, you know, in the office. We had calls uh in the studio. I make a point to swing by and go down that pothole road of yours <laughs> right early in the morning. And we had calls when I was on the road. I remember the funniest time we did an interview, and, I, and you said, you, you kind of sound echoey, Brian. Where, where where are you? And I was going to a New York Stock Exchange event for a, 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 an event related to a Vermont company, and I was actually in the, in the commode in a bus. <laughs> We've done all kinds of interviews and from all kinds of places, uh, Charlie, over
2: the years. Boy, you're really jogging my memory now. And and I'm, I recall there was one time, I think, that where you were outside, uh, I don't know if it was at Boston uh, International Airport. Of course, you know, Brian, uh, uh, 32 years as a pilot for American Airlines. We're going to get into all of that. And this might have been just after 9-11 where, you know, you don't stand around, you can't do anything. And and we were doing an interview, and, of course, the state police come up, and they tell you, you got to move along. And you tell them, I'm a lieutenant governor, and I'm doing a radio interview. And they go, yeah, right you are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was trying to get the best uh, cell signal at the time, and I'm kind of moving around a little bit. I left my bag. I was probably only six feet from my bag. I was out on a sidewalk. And the cops showed up, and I they didn't they didn't buy my reason. We pressed on Charlie.
3: That
2: was fun. Uh, oh man. well, Brian. Thank you for joining me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. By the way, if you would like to talk with uh former Lieutenant Governor Brian Duby today, it's very simple. Just get on your phone line at two four four seventeen seventy seven or one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Brian I, I don't know where do we start let us let, talk uh, you know about your military career you started in the Vermont Air National Guard you were a fighter pilot um F-16s uh, uh when did you know that you wanted to fly and this was something your brother did as well correct
0: Yeah we grew up uh our family was a you know a military family my my grandfather and my father's side served in the served in the army at, at uh, Camp Ethan Allen at the time now Fort Ethan Allen uh, he served, my uncle served, my dad was a colonel in the air guard. So Mike and I, and my brothers, we had four brothers, two sisters, we grew up going to the guard, you know, and we saw, I remember F- watching the F-102s taken off and after burners. And, uh, so I, I had a kind of a circuitous path to get into the Vermont air guard. I went to the air force Academy at a high school and then eventually I uh, returned to Vermont and joined the guard. And uh, my brother uh, went to UVM and joined the Guard, and we we, we started flying F-4s, Charlie. Um, so Mike was a backseater, what we call a weapon system operator, and I was a pilot. And I, re- I remember the first time, you know, Mike and I decided we we, we could go on cross-countries for training or, you know, you'd have to put together some reason why you're going cross-country to get some specialized training or something. Yeah. I remember the first time. Mike and I said, we're, yeah, hey, we're going, you know, Saturday morning. And, uh, somebody said to us, uh, some colonel or something said, you can't have two family members in the same airplane. And I said, no, that only applies to battleships. We're going. And we just, <laughs> we, just, we did our thing and they never, after that event, nobody challenged. So Mike and I spent a lot of time flying together first in the F four, then, uh, then he became a pilot and, uh, we both flew uh, F 16s for, well, I did thirty two years in the Guard and Reserve, uh and Mike I think thirty five years. Wow. Um so yeah, a lot of a lot of um a lot of good times, some tough times, but a lot of good times. Yeah.
2: We're talking with former Lieutenant Governor Brian Duby, airline pilot and uh, also in the in the air guard and air force. Brian, can, let me ask you, what's it like flying an F sixteen Compared to an airliner, you know, you think of it and you think, okay, you know, I've driven a sports car before. Then you get in a Cadillac and it handles a lot differently. How would you describe that?
3: Well,
0: that's true. I mean, when you tactically employ a weapon system like an F-16 in a dogfighting position, it's totally different than flying an airliner. But conversely, you know, in Vermont, we get a lot of bad weather. So the training that I received, you know, it was there were... They reinforced each other. Um, If you're flying in the wintertime in Vermont, flying through, you know, maybe you got weather from 300 feet to 30,000 feet. That's a lot like flying the airline. So, um, you know, there's, there's really good synergy between being a pilot in the guard and an air and an airline pilot because your skills are constantly, you get a lot more time and a lot more bad weather flying in the airline. And that is very helpful when you're flying the military. Typically in the military, you don't get get as many hours in a year. Yeah. In an airline, you might get a thousand hours in a year. Um, so it's different. But, you know, we used to, you know, it's like when I taught my kids to drive, I say, hey, no white caps on the coffee. You know, don't spill the <laughs> martini. You, you want to you know, just like driving a car or flying an airplane. You, you want to be smooth. You know, women are pretty good pilots um, because they're easier on the equip- the equipment. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's one thing that you know I had two daughters that we kind of talked about you know my sons are a little little tougher but you, you want to be smooth regardless of whether you're flying an F16 you know there are times you have to yank and bank and do your thing but mostly you want to operate a, you know an airplane smoothly and that's good for the engines it's good for right. the, you know the uh, the wings and the flight
2: controls and. But is it a real thrill, Brian? You know, when I think about, uh, you know, many people think about, you know, speed, but for me, like if I'm driving a car, it's all about G's. You know, when you take the exit ramp, and if anyone from the Vermont State Police is listening, uh, <laughs> just you know, cover your ears for a moment. But you know, when you can take that corner and and you just, you know, you bank it and and that's when you can feel the G's. I mean, there must be a thrill to do that in an F-16.
0: Yeah, but you're you're pointing out a phenomenon. Everything is relative, you know. Like, so you could be going. and I remember going Mach, you know, Mach two in a in an F sixteen and F four, and you know, if you're at ten thousand feet, you don't really know it. But if you really you're a, don't. You're on a bike. If you're on a bike going through smugglers' Knocks, you're going to feel it. <laughs> and when you're flying five hundred and fifty knots at maybe a hundred feet, two hundred feet in an F sixteen, you're going to feel it. It's no, it is. It is. There's nothing like it. Uh, you know, to go, you know, it's, uh, airline flying is two dimensional flying. If you can think of that, you know, you, you, you have slow accelerations, generally slow de- um, descents yeah. and slow, you know, climbs. And an F-16, you, you it's three dimensional flying. You could be, you know, at the surface, you know, at a hundred feet and the next minute you pull on the stick and you could be at 10,000 feet. So it's, I, I like to say it's. Three dimensional flying as opposed to two dimensional flying. And I'm, I'm exaggerating, but I'm, I'm trying to make a point. Yeah.
2: Brian, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you've done uh, as a lieutenant governor, as a, uh, you know, a pilot uh, in the Air Force, uh, uh, following the September 11th attacks. And I remember this, your actions at ground zero, uh, an emergency preparedness liaison officer, you earned a meritorious service medal. Could you give us a brief recap of that time? And as I recall, we did many phone calls when you were at Ground Zero.
0: Yeah, well, we knew each other before, and um, I I do remember calling. uh, I was asked to speak this year at Ferrisburg. They had a really really good event celebrating or honoring the memory of 9-11. That's the correct word, honoring the the memory of those who Yes. You know, we lost and the, and the sacrifice from the attack and the murder of innocent friends of mine and uh, you know, airline professionals and people underground, obviously. Uh, well, I, I, I did 20 years in the Guard then I transferred to the Air Force Reserve. As you mentioned, my Air Force Reserve job was really based in Vermont, but I was used for hurricanes or floods or in the case of nine eleven, you know, uh, uh, deployed to help provide uh, my job was to make sure that if uh, DOD, anything Department of Defense had that FEMA needed, and FEMA in this case worked for the, the mayor of the city of New York, if New York City or the mayor needed something and the military had it, it was my job to get it there.
2: Yeah. As I recall at was, the time, Brian, I, I think, didn't didn't you get a number of Motorola walkie-talkies or something?
0: Yeah. You have a good, yeah, good memory. Yeah. <laughs> One of the... Uh, one of the problems was uh, they, they divided the pile, ground zero, into, I think, six quadrants, and they had all kinds of radio in- interference be- trying to deconflict the thousands of rescue workers. So overnight, uh, a Motorola factory in Fort Lauderdale, Flo- Florida, came up with a frequency plan, working with the city of New York. They programmed thousands of radios. And you know one one of the things I did is I knew that the Florida Air Guard, because my buddies were in the Florida Air Guard, I knew they had a C-130 support aircraft. And uh, the Air Force, you know, there was very little capability. And I said, hey, I know to get those radios here. And I called a buddy and and I I launched him on my authority, you know, which was kind of fun. Just saying, hey, put my name down. We'll figure out <laughs> who's going to pay for the theater. Yeah. <laughs> and overnight. um the, the radios were flown from Fort La- Jacksonville. They flew from Jacksonville to Fort Lauderdale, and then they uh, flew from from Fort Lauderdale to New York City. And later, I met the person who was in charge of that aspect of the response, and he said that was a critically important, you know, the fact that those radios helped sort out the radio uh, communications on Ground Zero. And that was that was, uh, that was um, gratifying. Gratifying to be able to involved in that in a small way.
2: So, lieutenant Governor, former Lieutenant Governor Brian Doobie with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Brian, you recently retired from uh, 32 years at American Airlines as uh, an airline pilot, uh, but you are still currently the chair of the Vermont Aerospace Association. And this is also something that I recall you were very passionate about as a lieutenant governor.
0: Yeah, in 2006, actually, we created the Vermont Aerospace and Aviation Association with the Vermont Chamber I'm the chair. Senator Leahy is our honorary co-chair, and he's been of great help to, to uh, make sure that we can do what we can do to help Vermont aviation and aerospace-related companies. And there are there's a, over $2 billion of, uh, of uh, economic development related to aerospace in Vermont, mostly in aerospace manufacturing. Most people know of some of the best jobs in the state of Vermont are actually in Rutland, Vermont, with uh, General Electric. Uh, but there's also uh, Collins down in Uh, uh They make um, all kinds of components for aircraft and, and uh, small companies like liquid measurement systems all over the state. And then there's a really exciting company that I'm sure a lot of your listeners have heard about. And that's beta technology yeah. at the, uh, at the airport doing some amazing things with the electrification of flight. I got a nephew who, who actually is one of their pilots and, I've had a tour, a couple tours, and Kyle Clark is an amazing Vermonter with uh, with an amazing vision and doing some great things.
2: What do you think about that, Brian, as a as a pilot, uh, you know, an F-16, uh, airline pilots, uh, uh, airlines, and then, you know, an electric, you know, you don't have those jet engines. Uh, do, do you – what are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, well, you know, we've got a lot of Vermont uh, – a lot of the uh, Army and Air Guard pilots are over there, so I, I – I've I've thought a lot about it, and one of the concerns I communicated early with uh, Kyle Clark, the president, was, you know, the challenge of de-icing because, you know, we're from Vermont. We deal with a lot of uh, weather that people in other parts of the country don't deal with, and uh, he has a plan, but um, what are my thoughts? I think it's exciting. Uh, The uh, there's, there's some huge technical challenges, but ultimately it's all about the math. One of the bets that Beta is making is a number seven percent, and there's a there's an economic rule called the rule of seventy-two. Take your interest rate, divide it into seventy-two, and if you, in this case, battery storage efficiency is improving historically at seven percent a year. Mm. So, the rule of seventy two you go seven into seventy two is ten, which means every ten years the battery effectiveness will double. So, if you're carrying, let's say today you could you could go five hundred miles with a five hundred mile five hundred pound payload in ten years, given the historical growth that we've had in battery efficiency. You'll be able to double that, a thousand pounds. And this is just, you know, back of the envelope, Brian Doobie talking. So, I mean, I know the beta people would probably laugh at my crude numbers, but <laughs> the the batteries are getting better and they're going to have a, you know, their goal is to have an FA certified design that will be ready as the, when the batteries, you know, improve. And then companies like UPS or United Therapeutics, who's one of their, they're launch uh, sponsors and a big investor. Um, they do uh, transplants of uh, body components. Very important to get the, the body parts where they're needed as soon as possible.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, but people in the, the, the uh, UPS, the, 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 the math is amazing. If they can eliminate going to Louisville and go from Burlington to Albany or some other place and using the vertical takeoff, vertical landing, um, capability of, of a beta aircraft, um, the the economics become very favorable. That's great. And that's just, yeah,
2: Ra- that's Ra- exciting. Brian, we're going to break. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Uh, when we come back, Lieutenant, former Lieutenant Governor Brian Doobie, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie, got to get into your political life and uh, just your thoughts on the current uh, political state. So stay right where you are. We'll be right back with former Lieutenant Governor Brian Doobie on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. When I'm on my travels throughout Vermont, I know where to stop for a fill-up, fresh-made sandwiches, snacks, hot coffee, or an ice-cold Coca-Cola jolly convenience stores with over 40 in our area there's always one nearby and they're more than a quick stop proudly supporting local charities community events and our military jolly convenience stores home of the daily smile even behind that mask stop by today you'll be glad you did Back with you on Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo, along with my associate uh, executive producer, Brad Ferlin, and we're talking with former Lieutenant Governor Brian Duby on the phone line. Brian, thanks for sticking with us this afternoon. Let's talk a little bit about your political life. You first served, your first uh, taste of politics served on the Essex Junction School Board. Uh, let's kind of use that as a springboard. A lot of uh, criticism today that schools are indoctrinating our kids to the point that they they hate what the U.S. stands for. Uh, a socialist agenda seems to be being taught. Can I get your thoughts on what's going on right now?
0: Well, yeah, it's disturbing. Um, generally, people love their local schools, and they, you know, they have big issues at the national level. Um, I know, I know firsthand from time, you know after seeing the national stuff on this. You know, I have friends and cousins that are in the schools, teachers. Yeah. And in Vermont, you know, I'm not an expert, but through the whole COVID time, there's an agenda, there's a curriculum, uh, socialization, emotional learning, social emotional learning, and I think even some of those national stories are relevant for Vermont. So I, I I got involved because uh, I had four kids in the school district and. you know, uh, there was a situation in my hometown, Essex Junction, that was developing that wasn't healthy. So I got involved. And uh, I, you know, I, I haven't been as active. My kids are grown. they benefited from the Mott schools. They've been doing great. Um, but I would encourage listeners, you know, not to take uh, – and, and we were also allowed to be in schools. One thing is an airline pilot, on my off days, I would be in the classroom, and that was one advantage, you know, and with this whole COVID stuff, it's really challenging. Mm. But I would cause – I would encourage parents to be as active and as involved and work collaboratively, work, you know, as a team player with the teachers, with the administration, with right. principals. How can you help? How, You know, what can you do? Uh, you know, one of the things as an airline pilot, I used to visit school districts on layovers. And I would, you know, kind of use my layover time to – you know, see what they're doing in San Diego or California or where other place. And, you know, I spent time a lot of time in classrooms on the road, and I also visited lieutenant governors and governors, friends of mine that were, you know, that I had served with at the time. Yeah. So I would just encourage listeners to, to be involved. The one thing that is upsetting, the one thing I learned during budget season, you know, I I was, I think I passed, I was a school board chair for six budgets. And the one thing I learned was, you know, you don't sit up on some dais. You get in right as close to the people as you could because you don't want this us versus them. You want to be there. You want to listen, and your job is to take the arrows. You know, if people have complaints, you're there there to listen. And, you know, sometimes it's tough, but it's the right thing to do. So when I see, like, this FBI... DOJ stuff. That's really disturbing. Oh yeah. Hey,
2: if you'd like to talk with uh with my guest this afternoon, uh former Lieutenant Governor Brian Duby, we'd love to hear from you. 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255. That's a toll-free number. Brian, you ran for lieutenant governor in two thousand. That was unsuccessful. Then you ran again in two thousand two, you won, and then you went on to reelection in two thousand four, two thousand six, two thousand eight. What do you think it was that changed in 2002 that you that you got elected? What, what was it? What was that magic spark then?
0: Well, the, when I ran the first time, I was running against an incumbent, and two years later, I was running for an open seat, and the, you know that's that's huge. People, you know, said, "Who's this school board chair from Essex Junction running for lieutenant governor?" You know, the first time, and yeah. the second time, they said, "Oh yeah, I know. I you know I I seem to remember him and." And um, yeah, the first 2002 was a tough campaign. Jim Douglas, you know, Jim Douglas knew everywhere, you know, everyone and everywhere. And you know, you 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 kind of run independently, but certainly I campaigned a lot with Jim Douglas, so that was totally different. And
2: you guys are a great team too. You recently emceed. Uh, former governor Jim Douglas's 70th birthday party. Can you give us a little insight into that? Uh, because we, as we all know, Jim is just a—he's a great guy, a great speaker, funny guy too.
0: Oh, funny! Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He just—he's always—he's you know, like the kid in third grade who always cracks jokes <laughs> to kind of fit in. And, and he is—you know—he's always smarter than everyone, but he used humor to kind of fit in. Yeah. And that's he's his same guy. You know, he. We'd be in some tough situation. He'd turn to me and cut a joke. I'd say, geez, you got to cut that out. You know. But he just uses humor to kind of lower the tension, you know, keep things moving. And, uh, yeah, he was his birthday. I mean, you can you think of the guy as being 70? I, I was, no. You know, he doesn't look 70. It, not
2: at all. You know 30. what? Uh, I saw him just recently. had him on the program. And, you know, it had been a few years since I had him on my other radio program. And you look at him, and it's like the last 10 years, this guy hasn't aged at all.
0: Yeah. No, he's uh, he's doing great. He I was surprised. He, I asked him how uh, his his uh, work at Middlebury and he said it's he said college university politics is more political than, than politics. Oh, tell
2: me about it. it. <laughs> but, Brian, he, what uh, do you see as the great. what do you see as the future of the Republican Party in the state of Vermont? Many people think that. Well, you know, the state, uh, you know, it's not anecdotal. I mean, it's, it's gone very, uh, democratic, very liberal in some, some pockets. Uh, politics in the state, uh, have changed even from when you were lieutenant governor. What do you see as the future of the Republican party in this state?
0: Well, Governor Scott's doing a great job as a Republican, to his credit, and uh, I know he's, you know, not as conservative as, as a lot of Republicans would like him to be, but he finds a way to, to you know, to, to govern, and that's uh, impressive. Um, you know, I, I it is discouraging. You know, you would think that Vermont would have – would seek balance in Montpelier, uh, in the legislature, you know – conversations are good for everybody conversations at the school board level conversations at the legislature and when you have one party with you know a few people at the top figuring out what the agenda is that's that's not a conversation so uh, i would i would like to think that you know it's a cycle and vermont will seek you know balance maybe to more of what it was like when i got involved you know where there's a good dialogue you know remember the blue dog democrats yeah the rainy uh, uh and others, you know, that you know played such an important part of kind of this, uh, you know, even moderating some of the views within the Democratic Party. Absolutely. Um,
2: Speaking of blue dogs,
0: uh... yeah, I grew up. I grew up a Democrat. I mean, we're on <laughs> we're, we're, my, you know, my grandfather is Jerry McKenzie, we're Irish Catholic Democrats, yeah. you know, uh, French Catholic Democrats. So, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of reasonable Democrats, but in Montpelier um, it would it would be nice to have more of a balance.
2: Yeah. Senator Mazza said to say hi to you. I spoke with him earlier today and, he, and I told him you're going to be on the program. He said to make sure you you mention hi. Uh, and, and I know that the two of you often uh, worked uh, very well together. Let's talk a little bit about your role as lieutenant governor, because I think, Brian, that you really set the bar for that office when I think about it. And as I recall, you were based, I mean, you were really an ambassador for Vermont and jobs. The number of trips that you did, and I'm not just talking about the Howie Carr program to bring him maple syrup and to get Vermont on, on the national map, but man, you went to Cuba, and I remember this too, because, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, phone interviews, and we can get into that a little bit if you'd like, but you went there to, to bring dairy products to that country, to Cuba. And that was unprecedented. How did that all happen? And, and if we can talk about that 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 phone interview that we did, because that was very mysterious. That I, I recall hearing two phones hanging up when you when you yeah. hung up on
0: us. Yeah. Well, there was a you know, my memory is a little bit on the exact term, but there's a Cuban there was a piece of legislation called the Cuban humanitarian trade act, and I think Jesse Helms from the former very conservative. Uh, Senator from from North Carolina at the time, you know, had a a hand in writing it, and what it allowed it it allowed Vermont food I'm I'm sorry U.S. food producers to be able to sell food to Cuba, and there was terms, and it had to be a cash transaction, you know, no credit, and you know I I forget some of the other some of the other fine print, but and I did it right by the book, and I talked to the State Department, I did my homework, Charlie, I did talked to the State Department, and I talked to the head of the Cuba desk, and I said, how do I do this? How do I send a message to Fidel that, you know, I don't support his politics, but, you know, how do we sell Vermont food products consistent with, you know, U.S. policy? Yeah,
2: and it worked. Brian, did you actually meet Fidel Castro, or was it his brother when you went there?
0: Um, I'm proud to say I sat in a conference, uh, you know, one of these big ag fairs, and he knew who he knew who I was. He didn't shake my hand. Yeah. I, sat, I sat two people away from him. You did, and because I did my homework and I spoke out and I went down and I was cognizant of the people that I represent, the dairy farmers that I represent, and I didn't, you know, I, you know, I met with dissidents. I don't know if you remember that, but I, I had a plan. I put together a flight plan. I executed the flight plan. I had a lot of discipline. It was very difficult because when we first landed, you know, Martha Hansen and I went, we were actually put on hotel arrest. And there's a lot of detail, to, you know, background to this thing. But they basically asked me to sign a letter
3: wow. that
0: said that we could sell them. And I think it was $6 million of, of nonfat dry milk powder from the St. Albans Co-op, Vermont Milk. We could sell them that. But we, I had to write a letter. Sign a letter that said that I would advocate for changing the current U.S. policy in uh, you know towards Cuba. Wow! And I said, I'm here to sell you our food. You, if you think that my views are for sale, you don't know who I am.
2: Was that scary at any time, Brian? I mean, yeah. here you are, in and a- you
0: don't know who, I, and you don't know who I represent. Yeah. And um, no, they, they basically kept us in a hotel. You know, we were under. You know, kind of like hotel. We, we couldn't leave the hotel. For yeah. the day. Well, as
2: I recall, exactly. when we were doing that interview and, and and you hung up, and then I heard another phone hang up. So we knew that there was <laughs> somebody else listening yeah. during that uh, that conversation. Brian, we're, we're going to have to break here in just a minute, minute but I, I would like it. There was also another story that I recall from that uh, meeting where you actually sat at uh, one of these, uh, these dinner tables with another fighter pilot, am I correct, from Cuba, oh, correct?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said to me, you got a second, I'll tell you what he said. He said, Lieutenant Governor Doobie, why are you in my country? And I looked at him and I said, I'm in your country because in 1962, your country, no, no, I'm sorry. In the Brothers of the Rescue incident, your country shot down a Cessna aircraft. And I sat in my F-16 at Langley Air Force Virginia with live missiles and a live gun for 12 hours on standby status. And I said, they canceled my, they they took me off alert. And I said, I didn't get a chance to come that night. But I said, now I'm a lieutenant governor. I'm glad
1: to be here.
2: (laughs) What was his reaction? (laughs) Hopefully he didn't have a mouthful of food or drink.
1: Yeah, no,
0: they got it, man. They they respect, you know, they respect you're not a bootlicker. They respect, you know, the, the fact that, you know, it was about a relationship. And if you go into a relationship with integrity, yeah. you know, people can disagree. But if you, you know, you lift your And, uh, yeah, we did the deal. And we did it in a way that didn't sacrifice our principles. And
2: I recall I'm, that.
0: I'm quite proud of the way we did it.
2: Uh, Brian, we're going to break here in just a moment. i got the uh, Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight coming up for you in a moment. Uh, before we break, Brian, and again, thank you for joining me on the program today. Really great to talk with you again. And as I recall, uh, your daughter, Casey. Very musically inclined. Uh, In fact, I think I had her on as a guest at one time on Charlie and Ernie. Uh, She's going to be performing at Higher Ground, opening for a show this weekend. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, it's actually Thursday night, Higher Ground. I think it's at 8 um, o'clock in South Burlington. I haven't been there, but, yeah, Casey's playing. And and, uh, Lynn McClintock, your former Rice High School um, friend and yes. Mike and Clintock, are sure are going to go and the Doobie and Mackenzie's, and you know we're going to go cheer on Casey. But if any of your listeners want to hear Casey Doobie, she's um, she's doing quite well with music, having fun. And, awesome! Uh, it's great to see young people kind of each charting their own way, like your son. Yeah, in Los Angeles, They're, they find their way.
2: They sure do. Yeah. yeah. Hey Brian, really great to talk with you today again. Uh, former Lieutenant Governor Brian Doobie on travels with Charlie. Brian, thank you so much for being my guest, and let's stay in touch. Uh, you're welcome anytime here. Uh, didn't even get a chance to mention, uh, you know, your, your maple uh, uh, syrup uh, business that uh, you do with uh, your brothers, um, but uh, you know, there's dooby uh, syrup out there as well. Yeah.
0: Say hello to Ken Squire. Will do. Our- See you, Brad.
2: All right, Brian, take care. Good to good to talk with you today. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then coming up, the Gasella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. We're going to have details on this weekend's Wheels for Warmth program coming up next right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.milntravel.com. Welcome back, Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. Those are the cars that uh, Quorum is playing for me in the uh, opposite studio as we uh, welcome to the studio today, Mike Casella, the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Mike, great to see you.
1: Good to see you as well, Charlie.
2: So we'll be posting a picture on uh, Facebook uh, later on today for, for our listeners, because <laughs> Who's got the longer hair? I know. We, we now just, this is COVID hair, right? I mean, it, I, I've known you for a while, and uh, you've known me as well, and and always had short hair when we knew each other. And all of a sudden, during this COVID experience, I ran into him and I go, "Whoa!"
1: And he did the same, same take with me. Yeah, the hair and the beard—it's all, it's all new. I, <laughs> you know, we, we we're gonna have to start a band. <laughs> the band is back together. Exactly.
2: Well, let's talk about an event that's coming up. I know that you've been an integral part of the annual wheels for warmth program for a number of years started by then lieutenant governor phil scott this is in its 16th year why did you get involved in this michael i th-
1: i think it kind of hits us right at the core i mean it's it's one of those events where it's bringing the community all together and and helping solve a problem of what to do with tires you know there it kind of reduce reuse recycle it fits right with our you know what we stand for and Getting tires out there to people that need them and giving Basically them another life.
2: Getting them out of the landfill.
1: Absolutely. Right? Well, we, we don't take tires. They're they're banned from the landfill, so they go different places to get processed. But in my mind, it's a lot of Vermonters. Right, you change your vehicle or something happens and you need. A different set of tires, and there's a lot of good tires out there that just didn't get the full life. Right. So this way, we can actually have DMVs been great about uh, inspecting them and then putting those back on the road, so that people can get one more year out of them.
2: And of course, there's a there's a warmth component to all of this. You know, it's called wheels for warmth. So those of you that are new to this this project and aren't and aren't familiar with it, Whitney Castle is joining us on the phone line this afternoon from the Champlain Valley office of Economic Opportunity, uh, CVOEO. She's probably heard that a number of times, too, and gets sick of it. Whitney, <laughs> the yep. warmth and crisis fuel coordinator. Good afternoon, Whitney. Thank you for joining me on Travels with Charlie.
3: Excellent. Good afternoon, Charlie. Thanks for having me on.
2: So, So yeah. let's talk a little bit about what your... Thing is with all of this uh you know michael helps collect the tires and uh and and then we they'll, they'll be sold this weekend at the wheels for warmth at uh, dubois construction 46 three mile bridge road in montpelier it's also happening at uh, the casella construction in mendon that's at eight u.s route four that's going to be happening this weekend as well after all the money's collected this is going to help keep people warm this winter is it not whitney
3: Absolutely, it is. Uh, the warmth program itself um, is statewide, so like this Wheels for Warmth event, there's different uh, locations collecting tires, and then all over the state we use this warmth money back into the community to make sure that Vermonters are staying warm, um, you know, having access to their electricity to keep those furnaces running, so warmth is really an integral part of what we do all winter long
2: and and looking forward uh Whitney do you see that um is is it is it is the need more this year than ever
3: it's it's early yet so we're not seeing the um requests quite yet because we haven't hit the real cold days but i am foreseeing it's going to be a real need as we see prices increase and people still just struggling Um, to get through the winter warmth is going to be very much needed this coming
2: season. Right. We're seeing oil prices uh, rising and continue to rise. So uh, you're absolutely uh, correct, Whitney. Uh, We're talking this afternoon with Whitney Castle. She's with the uh, Champlain Valley Office of Economic Opportunity and Mike Casella, the uh, Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. But basically we're talking about the 16th Annual wheels for warmth program so let's get into some of the drop-off sites that are still currently going them. if i'm not mistaken in williston they can drop them off at uh, avenue b that's at the casella there in montpelier dubois construction 46 three mile bridge road in mendon at your location there michael uh, and then in stowe uh, stowe events field parking lot weeks hill road and you guys have have donated the dumpsters for all of this. I was just at Senator Maz's this afternoon. He said, Tell Michael I need another dumpster. It's overflowing.
1: That's great. That's really good. We, yeah, we do have a couple other great partners. Like obviously, Senator Baz has been supportive for many years, and at his store, you can actually drop off tires as well uh, for the program. The biggest thing is if you got tires in the garage or you know tucked away somewhere you know those good tires are hard to come by especially with the supply chain issues with tires too yeah. you know we're going to need tires for for sales so Senator miles has been generous enough to help us out with this and obviously uh kingsbury's and and uh weightsfield they're taking tires as well so we, we've had a lot of great partners and we're going to be collecting tires at those locations on uh, the 28th and 29th at, at all those locations mazes you can take them there now yeah. and uh, Kingsbury, you can take them there now as well, so.
2: And and, and uh, Senator Maz also wanted, wanted me to point out, you know, when you drop off the tires, <laughs> he's got he's got plenty of uh, of uh, store baked pies on the counter for mm-hmm. you to you to purchase. <laughs> Make sure to get that in. And order your turkey turkeys early
1: yeah. for Thanksgiving. Get them early <laughs> and, and warm coffee. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so now here is the other aspect of this, and I've and I've been at this event a number of times uh, to see the organization at uh, at DuBois Construction. All the tires are laid out. They're laid out by size. So you got 15 inch, 16 inch, 17 inch. And it seems like more cars today used to be you get a car and like 13 and 14 inch was like, that was it. And now it's like compact cars have 18 inch wheels. Uh, so, you know, the tires are all laid out by size. Uh, and then if you have a question, there's somebody there to even help you out because it may not be the exact, as long as the rim size works, typically it'll fit. And the prices are unbelievable. And as you mentioned, there are people there from the DMV. So it's not like you're taking these, these tires and they're just selling them. If they don't pass inspection, then you take care of them, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah. So if, if they're good and they'll meet, meet the requirements to actually make it one more year on the road, then we'll resell those. So pretty much every tire there and, and you'll get some that are almost brand new that for whatever reason they might have turned a vehicle in and you've got good, Great tires, but they'll at least pass one year um out on the road. So there's a lot of good tires and I think the highest price tires twenty five dollars a tire. Um so you can really get a a set of four tires for a hundred dollars is
2: so it's a great opportunity too if um you you know take a look in your basement, in your cellar, in your garage. As as Michael mentioned, Michael Casella with me this afternoon. If you've bought a new car, And, you know, the new car has a different size wheel, so these tires don't fit on it. And the tires are still good, and they're sitting there. What do you do with them? Well, here's an opportunity. You can donate them to the Wheels for Warmth program. You're going to help somebody keep their home warm this winter. And you're getting rid of those tires out of your garage, out of your basement.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think we've collected over 60,000 tires since the inception of this program and sold another 25,000 tires, so... It's kind of giving uh, resources new life, you know, You're taking old tires that might have ended up in a landfill or somewhere else, and now we're actually able to put them back out on the road and and then use the uh, proceeds from those sales to help Vermonters in need with heating assistance.
2: Yeah, in the 16 years that this program has been going on, over $558,000 has been raised to heat Vermont homes. Whitney Castle, Warmth and Crisis Fuel Coordinator for CVOEO. Whitney, can you talk a little bit about how important that number is and how much more you could use? Because certainly there are a lot of families that could use some help.
3: Absolutely. Uh, One thing I I wanted to kind of reiterate is, um, like Mike's been saying, the this program hits so many different needs. Um, we're getting these tires out of basements and we're getting them out of potentially the landfill. We're getting them back into use in the community for a reasonable price for, for someone who needs their um, tires to get to work and such. And then that final piece is all the projects. Um, proceeds that are donated to the warmth program Um, and it is just a real need we do use all of those dollars uh, to turn back around into the community to help people buy heating oil um, pay for their um, vermont gas service if that's their primary heat Uh, we're seeing heating prices going up um, across the board and so there's really going to be a need this year um, as all years but uh, we and we just don't know the the we know it's Vermont, we know it's going to be cold, so um, we're just we're just hoping that these dollars can get back into the community and help our neighbors stay warm.
2: Sure. By the way, WDEV is going to be broadcasting, I believe. Am I correct? On that Saturday morning from 8 till noon at uh, the Dubois construction site. Uh, so come on by uh, and and say hello to the WDEV staff and donate your tires or, or buy some tires. Uh, Whitney, if somebody is listening today and they say, I need some help with my heating bills this winter, how can they contact you or who do they contact at CVOEO?
3: Absolutely. So um, if you're in Addison, Chittenden, Franklin, or Grand Isle counties of Vermont, CVOEO is your local community action. And we can be reached. um, Probably the best way to find out our direct information, because we do have different offices serving those different counties, is to go right to our website at cvoeo.org and that will direct you to the office that serves your county. If you're not in one of those counties, you would be served by a different community action in your area, Um, and you can usually call 211 to actually get your local community actions information.
2: Great. Whitney, thank you for joining me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie and on the Spotlight with Mike Casella from Casella Waste. Thank you for being my guest this afternoon. So, again, that's cvoeo.org for more information. Michael, before we break, uh, let's let's talk about some of the other people that are involved in all of this. It's not just uh, Casella.
1: Yeah, we've got a lot of great partners. And, obviously, you know, WDEV and everything that you guys do, I can't thank you enough. And broadcasting from the event, Uh, really appreciate it. Obviously, Mazza Store, General Store, Bourne's V. Vermont State Employees Credit Union, AT&T, Newton Construction, and Jeff Newton, uh, all the work that goes into making the event happen. So we just want to thank all those sponsors for all that they do because without a, a village of people to put this on, it, it wouldn't really happen.
2: You got it. And it's just seamless uh, for those of you that have never been to the event before, the one that's in Montpelier at Dubois Construction. Everything's lined up for you. The gates open at 8 o'clock. Get there early, I know people it's like uh you know going for uh, shopping for uh uh know dating myself here you know Filene's basement when they used to have the wedding gowns on sale people would camp out like the night before and 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 that's pretty much what happens at Du they are there great bargains on tires you can get some sometimes brand new tires for as Michael mentioned, just you know not more than twenty bucks,
1: yeah, it's been a great thing, and it's it's. Interesting to see the sale during the morning. I mean, it, that's the most fun for me. And we obviously have the, the Norwich women's hockey team coming, and, and they volunteer all their time to help people with tires and they do a great job leading the charge of bringing all the people in to, to get tires. But the big thing is we, we really do need your tires. So, you know, this Thursday, if you can, if you have tires in your basement, get them out, get them to the store so that we can get them back out and, in people's hands that, that need them and then raise money for people that need heating.
2: Absolutely. And then Sunday, Saturday, if you're looking for tires at uh, the Montpelier location, Du Construction, and the Menden location, Consella Construction. More information on the website, wheelsforwarmth.com. Michael, always great to see you. Are you getting a haircut at all?
1: I- I'm not. I-, I actually got married a, a couple uh, last weekend, so. Uh, There was they were taking a couple bets if I was gonna do it before that and I I didn't so I think I'm I'm gonna keep it going for a little bit longer. Way to
2: go, (laughs) me too. Next time I see you, we'll have ponytails down to our back, maybe. Who knows? Exactly. All right, good to see you today, Mike. Good seeing you. Thank you for joining me. All right, we're gonna take a quick break when we come up a quick open phone line, something that we haven't done yet on Travels with Charlie. If you love Halloween, if you don't like Halloween, if you haven't celebrated Halloween because of COVID. What's your favorite Halloween candy? All of that. Open phone lines on Travels with Charlie right after this on WDEV. Back with you, Travels with Charlie on WDEV. That would be photograph from Ringo Starr, if I'm not mistaken. Corm's still trying to stump the band over here. Not happening. Welcome back. Uh, our first open phone line conversation. We're going to get a chance to do that in just a moment. I love talking with, uh, with the listeners. Brad Ferlin, my executive producer, joining me in studio as well. The first thing Brad said when he, when he came back in was, uh, he wanted to know how many wedding gowns they bought at <laughs> If you missed that segment, you can always check out uh, past segments at WDEVradio.com. The podcast is there. Each show that we've done, also videos that we've done, we've shot 40-some-odd videos, the Travels with Charlie series. You can go right there and check that out. I also do want to make sure to thank our sponsors because this program would not be happening. We get the information out to you, and we have a lot of fun doing it as well. But thanks to especially uh, Casella Waste Systems, Casella.com, zero zero Sort Recycling. They're an integral part in the Wheels for Warmth program this weekend. Jolly convenience stores. If you're out and about looking for a hot cup of coffee or a cold Coca-Cola, a sandwich, a snack, or fuel for your car. There's over 40 of the jolly convenience stores in the area for you to stop in. And if you're doing some traveling, Milna Travel American Express. They've been doing it since 1975. Got to be doing something right. com. Okay, quick open phone lines with you at 244-1777 or one eight seven seven 291 Let's talk Halloween. It's it's just next weekend, Brad. And and uh, you know what are your thoughts on number one? And it's always a big topic, especially in my house. Candy corn banned. I do not I do not like candy corn. Now don't give me that look, as apparently you like candy no, corn. No, I'm
1: not a big candy corn. <laughs> When I trick or treated, it was uh, the the best houses were the chocolate bar houses. Oh, the, the big ones the too. The big chocolate right? bars, right? They do the yeah. big
2: chocolate bars. So, what's your favorite candy? What's your least favorite candy? And, and if you want to, you know, date yourself, we certainly go to, um, you know, when I was trick or treating. I'm sure Brad, when you were trick or treating, it was you you went into neighborhoods that you had never ventured into ever before. And we're ten and eleven years old, and today you wouldn't allow your kids to do that, but we did it. And and you came home with pillowcases. I'm not talking bags. Everybody had a pillowcase.
1: Am I right? That's. Uh, I remember I lived on Mansfield Avenue in Burlington, and was sort kind of a loner kid. Had my pillowcase. Went out until even like eight, eight thirty at night, and. The houses were dumping the bowls into my bag and sending me away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite candy? What's your least favorite candy? Any Halloween memories? And of course, we're we're coming off uh, you know the pandemic last year. I don't think many homes even had their lights on unless they knew it was you know some of the kids in the neighborhood had had uh, said okay, we're going to be you know knocking on your door for Halloween. But for the most part, it was pretty much. No Halloween last year. Are you doing Halloween this year or are you doing anything differently? 244-1777-1877-291-8255. Or are you one of these people that you look at this opportunity? I can save myself about 30 bucks now on candy. And I, and you know, it, it, it was always that you go out and buy the candy and you have no idea how many kids are coming. And if if you give all the candy away, then you start cleaning out the cupboard. You know, they're getting bags of cereal. You know, they're getting, you know, here, take an old rotten apple, you know, whatever you could find. Uh So you don't have to... There's none of that guessing. You just, you know what? Don't turn the lights on. Are, are you turning the lights on? Are you turning them off this year? 244177718772918255. We got just a couple of minutes left here. I would love to talk with our listeners. Uh Corm, do we have a listener? Go ahead, put him right on there. Good afternoon. Welcome to Travels with Charlie. Any any thoughts on Halloween this year?
0: Yes. Yes, and we didn't do it last year, and we're going to do it this year. And hopefully if uh, we get kids and we don't take off, because last year we kind of went for a stroll. We didn't get anybody, so we went to Barry.
2: And what kind of candy are you handing out, and whereabouts do you live, if it's real good, Brad and I want to know?
0: Well, Upper
1: Graniteville, and we're probably giving out those little mini. I'm a big fan of the uh, Plain Hershey's. And the Hershey
2: with almonds. Oh, yeah, Hershey with almonds is good. You know, another favorite, uh, Butterfinger. If you got any Butterfingers, uh, m- make oh. sure you put some of those in. we we got to go. Thank you for calling uh, today on Travels with Charlie. Good to hear from you. Thank you. We will be back with you next week. We're not taking a week off. Next week's show, uh, November 1st, Thea Lewis from Queen City Ghost Walk and Steve Gentile will be joining us with Trotting of the Turkeys event, coming up to benefit Feeding Chitlin. Have a great day.